We're in this series called Freedom. And, and it's all about how God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and brought them out of that bondage, out of that slavery, into the promised land. And he frees them, and then he brings them to Mount Sinai. And what does he do? He gives them the Ten Commandments. So he frees them, and then what does he do? He gives them some rules. Now, you and I would scratch our heads and go, what? I don't want rules. God, you've just freed me. I've been a slave. I'm tired of everybody telling me what to do and how to do it and, and just controlling my life. Now that I'm free, I don't want any rules. I want to do whatever I want to do. And God says, no, here's, here's some rules. Here's some commandments. And, and we looked at the Ten Commandments last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to the message online because the Ten Commandments are so important. They teach us that if you really want to be free, you need to obey God. Because obedience to God and His rules, His Ten Commandments, that, that is the way to freedom. You see, there is a good and beautiful God who created us, and He created us in such a way that, that His character, His rules, if you will, His morality is wired into our DNA and into the way this world works. And whenever you try to break God's rules, you're actually going against the grain of reality. I mean... Experience teaches you this, doesn't it? Does it not? I mean, just, just look at so many lives. Look at Hollywood. Look at our own lives. The, you know people, and I know people, who they, they think, wow, I, I'm going to be free. I'm going to do, which means I'm going to do whatever I want. There are no rules, and, and, and who cares about morality? I'm going I'm to do whatever I want. And so they end up following every impulse, every drive, every desire. Feel, you know, Their feelings determine what they do. And what happens? They end up in bondage. They end up in broken relationships, maybe a broken marriage. And they end up breaking their lives. Because you see, no one really breaks God's commandments. They break themselves on the truth of God's commandments. So we learned last week that there is such a thing as absolute morality. In fact, without God and His character and His commandments that flow from His character, you have no objective basis for even talking about morality. And so if you want to really be free, you, you, you need to just wholeheartedly be sold out to God and, and say, God, I'm going to obey you. Because this is the path to freedom. I don't have to follow all of my drives and all my desires and all of my feelings. I don't even have to follow all of the pressures that, that come from society. And like, oh, if you're going to be cool, then you need to do this. And you need, you need to break these rules because rules, you know, that, they don't matter. No, no, I, I'm free from that. I don't have to play that game. If you want to be free, you want to learn to become a truly good and moral person. That's where freedom is, in being truly good and moral. See, God wants to free you from slavery, like He did those ancient Israelites. Not just from external slave, slavery, like they were, but also internal slavery. And you and I, oftentimes, we're just slaves. We're oppressed by so much junk and garbage and drives and desires and impulses, and God wants to free us. He wants to free us to really live and follow Him. So we're looking at Exodus 12. If you haven't, turned there with me. I've already mentioned that this is Palm Sunday, moving into Holy Week. 
and encourage you to be here Thursday night, Friday for the special services. And, and, and in Exodus 12, I want to kind of just set the stage for you. God tells them to develop a ritual called the Passover. The Passover. The Passover meal is part of a seven-day feast of unleavened bread that God told the Jewish people to celebrate. And the Passover is at the core of the Jewish faith, even to this day, and even of the Christian faith, although somewhat transformed because of Jesus Christ. So this Friday night and Saturday, depending on their exact formula, there will be Jewish people all around the world celebrating the Passover. And this Thursday night, there will be Christian churches all around this world celebrating the transformed Passover, what we call the Lord's Supper or Communion, in memory of what Jesus has done for us. And so it's really incredible when you think about it. And the Passover and the Lord's Supper are both all about remembering what God has done. You know, remembering keeps us grateful. In fact, I encourage you, are you, uh, do you struggle with unhappiness? Do you struggle with just getting kind of grumpy and gripey and caught up in all the negativity and chaos of our world? If you do, you really need to listen to this today. And you need to remember. Remember what God has done for you. God gave this to the Israelites, and Jesus gave this to us, his church. When The more we remember Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and what he will do, it makes us grateful, thankful people. Exodus chapter 12. Let's look at it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Interesting. He brings them out of slavery in Egypt. He says, I'm going to take you into Canaan, what we now, you know, the Holy Land, what we call Israel today. And he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation there. And as you get organized as a country, as a nation, I want you, here's how I want you to develop your calendar. And this is going to be the first month of your year. Now, you and I, we're used to January, February, March. And, and so, but this March, April time frame, God says, I want this to be the first month of your year. And it used to be called uh, Abib, and then they renamed it Nisan in the time of the exile. But God once says, I want your whole life, even your calendar, to be reflective of me. It's kind of sad that, that our months, January, February, March, and, and August, and, and all these names, that many of them are, are based after uh, you know, old C Roman Caesars or even some, some old pagan gods, if you look at the roots of them. But God says, I want this to be the first month of your year. Because this is the year that I rescued you from slavery, and I want you to remember this. This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. It's interesting how God, in giving these instructions, how he's a God of order, a God of, uh, uh, of discipline, he wants, and a God of compassion and love. He wants everybody, maybe he's a big family here and a small family over here, and, and a lamb isn't enough here, and a lamb is too much over here. So he wants them to share appropriately so that uh, everybody has enough and that there is no waste. 
God is a, like a frugal kind of God where, where he, he wants there to be enough, but, but not, not wasteful. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. Without defect. This is a, a, a foretaste, a, a forecast of, of Jesus Christ. They had, they, whenever they sacrificed a lamb, it had to be without defect, without blemish. And it, it symbolized the perfection, the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ, who was to die for our sins. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs. The bitter herbs symbolize their bitter experience as slaves. And so now every year, for thousands of years since this event, the Jewish people will celebrate the Passover meal. And part of their meal is bitter herbs, reminding them of their bitter slavery in Egypt. Bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. There's a whole significance to the bread made without yeast, symbolizing primarily that they didn't even have time for the bread to rise because God was going to deliver them that night and they had to be ready to go at any moment. Don't even, you don't have time to even let the bread rise. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night... I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is why it's called Passover. Because God would pass over any home that had the blood sprinkled on the doorframe of that house. He would pass over it and not destroy the firstborn there. I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Verse 14. This is a day you are to commemorate or remember. This is a day you are to remember for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So God sends Moses to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he, and he, says, he says, God says, let my people go. Let them go. We, we want to leave. And Pharaoh says, no way. Why would I let go of my labor force? Why would I let you slaves out of here? They're doing all this work for me. No way. And so God, through Moses, sends a plague upon Egypt. And Pharaoh goes, okay, okay, I'll let you go. And then the plague stops, and Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, no, well, now the plague's over. I'm not going to let you go. So God sends another plague, and then another plague. Nine times this happens. He sends nine plagues on Egypt. 
You remember the story. He turns water into blood, frogs and gnats and flies and all these different plagues. And every time Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And then, then nope, not going to let you go now. And then there is this 10th plague. God says, all right, I'm going to kill the firstborn male of every animal and every family in Egypt. Then Pharaoh will let my people go. Now, let's pause right here for a moment to address a couple of things. Some people have moral issues with this. Why would God ask the people to sacrifice an animal? This whole idea of animal sacrifice bothers some people, and especially killing the firstborn son of every family. Isn't this immoral? Isn't this evil? Well, just briefly address these two things. First of all, the animal sacrifice. God tells every Israelite family to kill a sheep, to kill a little lamb, and and then they're going to eat it. And then we know later in the story, God actually uh, instructs them to develop this whole system of animal sacrifice where they would come to the temple and they would sacrifice. And some people say, oh, this is, this is inhumane, this is wrong, and killing all these animals. And, 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 but when you really look at it and get into all the details and, and you really think about it, unless you are an absolute pure vegetarian, you have no criticism here. If so, if you if you cook some burgers out on the grill, uh, then you really have no objection here because what these animal sacrifices were were a big barbecue. It's really what they were. But they, they, the people would come and they would they would sacrifice their animal, and, and most of that animal would be eaten either by the priests or by the Levites. In fact, it was kind of part of their tithes, where the, where the whole Levites, uh, the people who didn't have their day jobs, but they were taking care of the temple and doing all this work for the Lord. Much of the meat was given to them. And then even the people themselves, a lot of times it was a big celebration. It was almost like a, a big barbecue in worship, a part of their worship of God. So uh, unless you are an absolute vegetarian and don't believe in any kind of meat, uh, you don't really have an objection here. But what about the killing of the firstborn son? Wow, that's hard, isn't it? And, and how do you respond to that? Well, when you look at the whole theme of Scripture and what it says about God, God is God. I mean, He created us. You and I would not even exist if it were not for God. God, out of his sheer goodness and mercy, created us. And God has the right and the authority, since he is our creator, to also take our life any time he wants. Right now, God's, God could say, it's time for Greg Henneman to die. I'm taking him home. And he could stop my heart. He could take my breath right now. Same's true of you. God has that right. Now, yes, life is sacred. And, and, and life, is, life is precious. We are all made in the image of God. This is why we believe so strongly that, that murder is wrong. That you and I do not have the right to take any human life. But God does because He is God. Scripture very clearly teaches it. I think we need to have a higher and holier view of the awesomeness of God and who He is and what He can do. So what I want us to focus on is we prepare ourselves for communion. In fact, I want you to consider all these remarks that I'm making, especially going forward here, as preparation for communion. We're going to celebrate communion in in just a few minutes. And, And so everything I say is about preparing us for communion. 
Communion is based on the Passover that I just read in Exodus chapter 12. And, and it's all about remembering. Remember how God has freed us. Remembering is the key to gratitude. Several times God tells them to remember. He tells them to remember the Sabbath. Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Wow. I tell you, this, this is something, last week we talked about the Ten Commandments and we didn't even have time to look specifically at each one. But sometime we could do a whole series. We could do a 10-week series on Sunday on, on each of the Ten Commandments. And, and I, I believe this one, wow, there's so many Christians today who don't remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is supposed to be set apart where you're focusing on God and we're worshiping together. It's a commandment of God. He says, remember the Exodus over in Deuteronomy 16. He says, do not eat it with bread made with yeast because you left Egypt in haste so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. God says, I want you to remember what I've done for you. Remember the law, Deuteronomy 4. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day. You and I as parents, we are to teach our kids and even to teach our grandkids. We're to, we're to help, not only teach them, but we're to help them remember. Don't let them forget. Parents, th this is on you. And yes, the church, we're supposed to come alongside of you and help you. But, but it's really on you to help your kids, to teach them and, and to help them remember who God is, what he's done what he can do in their lives. And then most of all, remember Jesus. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 7. We need to remember Jesus. Luke 22, verse 7. This is the Lord's Supper. Jesus is now in Jerusalem, and he's in this upper room with, with his apostles. Okay? Verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Sound familiar? We just read it, didn't we? In Exodus chapter 12. So here's Jesus like over a thousand years after the time of Moses. And they're still celebrating this Passover meal every year. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. Now we can wonder, is this all like by divine foreknowledge or, or did Jesus already have a relationship with this guy and have it already arranged? It doesn't really tell us, but we know that there were tens of thousands, some even believe hundreds of thousands of Jewish people in Jerusalem for this Feast of Unleavened Bread, of which Passover is a part. And, and, and space and room would be at a premium because everybody's looking for a place to celebrate the Passover. So here's Jesus. He's making reservations ahead of time. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You and I cannot even imagine the shock that this would be to Jewish ears. Here they are celebrating the Passover like they have done for over a thousand years. And they all know the Passover is about remembering what God did in Egypt with Moses, bringing them out of slavery. That's what the Passover is about. It's about remembering and being thankful for what God had done for them years and years before. And here is Jesus transforming it. And he says, guys... It's all about me now. This, this bread, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup, this cup is the new covenant. The new covenant? Really? We, we know this is about the covenant God made with Israel through Moses. What do you mean new covenant? You see, this is why you and I need to understand why, why Jesus is exclusively Lord. And I know we take a lot of heat for this in our society today. And someday we'll, we'll address this even more. But, but just briefly right now, see, Jesus is exclusively your Lord. Because, and, and as you try to share your faith with other people, it's so common for people to say, well, I believe in Jesus. Sure I do. I believe he was a great guy. He was a great man. And he taught nice things. And isn't it all about love? And let's just be kind and loving. So, you know, I can believe in Muhammad and I can believe in Jesus and I can believe in Buddha and I can believe in all kinds of things and you kind of just add Jesus to the bit. No, 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 no. Jesus, Jesus is the only one who died for your sins. Jesus is the only one who took the wrath of God upon himself and died a substitutionary death in your place. You see, you only have two choices when it comes to Jesus. You either have to say he was a nut job, he was crazy. Because think about it, who would say, who could take a ritual that this nation of Israel had been doing for over a thousand years and say, here's this Passover meal that you've been doing for a over a thousand years. But let me tell you now, it's all about me. This is a new covenant. It's all about me now. Who, who could say that? Either, either you're a nutcase or it's true. Those are your two options. You can't really just say, well, Jesus was a nice guy. Taught nice things. No, no, no. Those are the only two options that you have. You either reject him or you, or you bow at his feet and you cry out, holy. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. I follow you. I obey you. Your two options. Luke 22, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And now instead of making it all about remembering the Exodus, now it's about remembering what I'm going to do for you. And they did. And they did, and they did, and they did. And here you and I are today, and we're still remembering. Isn't this incredible? 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He says in 2 Timothy 2, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Second Peter, the apostle Peter says, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, because he's an old man now about to die, that once I'm gone, you will always be able to remember these things. So as we begin on this Palm Sunday into Holy Week, and we're going to celebrate Easter next Sunday, we need to remember these things. Remember Jesus. God has given us this wonderful gift, this powerful thing called memory. We are remembering people. What, what are we without our memories? We like to remember and celebrate birthdays, don't we? In fact, this Tuesday, this Tuesday is, is Sandy's birthday. And we, we celebrated it yesterday. Had, had a great time. We like to remember anniversaries. Sandy and I are coming up on 40 years of marriage. Our 40th anniversary. She's sitting right here, so I won't say what I said in the first service. No, I will. I said in the first service, man, she's getting old. So 40 years that we're coming up on. And, and we love to celebrate and remember, don't we? We remember our birthdays. We remember our anniversaries. How, how, how often you're, you're driving around, maybe out on the freeway, and you'll see some, some flowers. And you'll know that somebody died there. There was an accident, a car accident. And the family and loved one, they want to remember. They don't want to, they don't want to forget. And we do all kinds of things like that. Even, even our nation, we have certain holidays so that we remember. You know, we have Memorial Day and Independence Day and all of these holidays that, that we, we just want to make them into holidays and fun times. But really, they're times where we can reflect. And remember what people have sacrificed and done so that we can enjoy the freedoms. In fact, we, I, I'm worried for our country because we have so many people who have not even been taught properly, let alone able to remember our history and what to be an American really even means. Memory. God created us with this gift of memory. We are to remember and honor and cherish. That's what the Passover was about. That's what the Lord's Supper, that's what communion is about. So, so watch this now. Jesus takes this Passover meal that the Jewish people had been doing for over a thousand years. And he says, this bread, it's my body given for you. Take and eat it. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup, this cup is the new covenant. I'm doing a new thing, a new exodus, a new, a new deliverance. Just as, just as God brought them freedom out of slavery, I'm doing a new exodus. This is a new thing, a new covenant. And I want to deliver you, not just from, from physical slavery, but from spiritual slavery. I want to deliver you from sin and death and hell. And now watch this. Just as that destroying angel of God came through all of Egypt 
And whenever he would see the blood sprinkled over the door, he would pass over that house and do them no harm. So now Jesus is saying, by instituting what we call the Lord's Supper, and we're going to take it in just a moment, Jesus says, when you invite me, and you put your faith in me, and you receive me, the bread and the cup, and you have my blood covering you now, my death on the cross is now your shield and your covering because I am dying as your substitute. God and His wrath against sin and all of our ungodliness, He sees the blood and He passes over and He won't do you any harm. And in fact, He will bring you out and He will wash you and He will cleanse you and He will take you to the promised land. Wow. Are you under the blood? Have you received Christ into your life? Let's receive communion right now. I ask the ushers to come. And, and as they distribute the elements to you, I'm going to keep on uh, sharing a few more things with you. If you happen to have the outline, you know that there's like four main bullet points that I want us to, to reflect. And, and so ushers, you can come and go ahead and start distributing the elements. And I ask that you hold the elements until we all have them. And if you're a believer, I invite you to celebrate this Lord's Supper with us. And if you're not a believer, uh, I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. And, and, uh, but I encourage you, don't take the, the communion because it's really for those of us who believe and who have received Christ. Simply pass the elements along as they come your way. Hold the elements till we all have them, and then I'll lead us in just a few moments. And can you pass the elements and listen to me at the same time? You're smart people. I know you could do this. I thought, there's, there, I have a smart congregation. They can handle this. So, so just please, just listen. And uh, as, as, as we pass, and just use this. Use these reflections right now to prepare your hearts and minds. So communion, Jesus gave it. And he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. So one of the things we do in communion is to look back with gratitude. And so I ask you right now, are you grateful for what God has done for you? Are, are, have you received Christ into your life? Do you realize what he's done for you? Do you realize that without Jesus Christ, you have the death angel coming at you. And there's no protection. There's no covering for God's holy wrath against sin. You need to be covered by his blood, his death on the cross for you. So I encourage you to be grateful if you're a believer. Be so grateful and understand what he has done for you. And if you're not a believer, cry out to him right now and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And I ask you into my life. I believe you died on the cross and rose again for me. You look back with gratitude. But another thing that we do is we remember to take an honest look at ourselves. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So right now, in this moment of reflection, I want you to Honestly examine yourself. Are, are you drifting? 
Are you presuming on God's grace? We live in a culture where it is so easy to say, oh yeah, I believe, kind of, sort of. And yeah, I, I know technically I disobey, but, you know, not a big deal. No, you need to realize it is a big deal. This Holy Week is a special time of year where we want to take an extra long look and an honest look at ourselves. Remember that your sin and my sin is so serious that Jesus had to die on the cross for it. It's time to get honest. No more games. It's also a time to remember to celebrate our unity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the blood of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. When, when he says, when he talks about participating, the Greek word there is koinonia, and it means fellowship. It means relationship. It means sharing and participation. So you need to understand that as we are sitting here right now, this moment, we are not worshiping a dead and absent Lord, but he's here. Yes, the, the, the cup and the bread, they're symbolic and they represent Jesus' body and blood, but Jesus himself is truly here through his Holy Spirit. And we can participate in what he did for us. And, and notice that he, he says there's one loaf and we all share the one loaf. As you, as you take of that bread, and it, it, it reminds us that, that like that comes from one loaf. So, so we're one in Christ. And you're, you're, so you're not going through life alone, but we're all part of Christ. We're unified. No one's better than anyone else. We are all sinners. And we all stand in desperate need of His grace. This is what we need to remember. And we so easily forget. And then finally, we, we need to remember to look forward with hope. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So here we are about to celebrate communion. You need to remember Christ who died on the cross for you. You need to remember to look within and get honest with yourself. You can even look around and look at others and realize we're all in this together. And then you look ahead with hope, with hope. I know we live in such a negative world. All you have to do is turn on the TV and just watch a few minutes of CNN or Fox News and oh my goodness, you can get so riled up and there's so much division and, and hate in our country and we can get caught up in that. Oh, who's going to win the next election? Oh, what about this issue? What about that issue? Oh my goodness, what's happening? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember how I'm with you right now. Remember that you have a great future. 
remember and be grateful. So let's celebrate. Let's receive Christ right now. On that Thursday night a long, long time ago, Jesus was celebrating the Passover meal. And he transformed that Jewish Passover meal into communion, the Lord's Supper. And he took that bread and he said, this bread is my body broken for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful. Help us by your presence and by your spirit right now to remember you and what you have done. And help us to see as we read through the book of Exodus that so much of that points us to you and what you did for us. You want to bring us out of slavery. You want us to be good and moral people. Not in a legalistic sense where it's just about a bunch of rules, but by our character by our spirit, by our attitude, where we are genuinely good and moral because we've been transformed, forgiven, saved, rescued, and transformed by your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we remember you. Help us this holy week to take some extra time to read Scripture, to pray, to gather together here on Thursday night and then again on Friday at noon. Help us to remember and be transformed. And all God's people say, Amen.